coming up on the podcast, House. Welcome to the Magnificently Huge Podcast with your hosts, Eric Reed, Brian Kruger, and Chris Ryerson. Three idiots who decided to slap an adverb together with an adjective to bring you one magnificently huge discussion each week about the movies and pop culture we kind of like, maybe even secretly love, before we ultimately crap all over them. We're not here to save the world, we're just here to make it weirder, one podcast at a time. This is Magnificently Huge. Welcome everyone once again to the Magnificently Huge Podcast. My name is Brian. This week my friends Chris and Eric will join me for a conversation about trippy-ass, weird Japanese kind of horror movie from 1977, House. House is a weird-ass movie that HBO Max suggested to me when I watched a different weird-ass movie. Uh, Chris described it in our Slack channel as as though Italian horror director Mario Bava made HR Puffin stuff. Uh, yeah, it's it's an unusual one, but it got the attention of the Criterion Collection, and so here we are. Um, we've also got the fresh shit. We're going to talk about Black Widow and Loki, and we're going to do spoilers. So, you know, if you uh, don't want to see spoilers, check the show notes for timestamps and go to the parts of the show you want to see. As always, we're trying to build up the podcast, so please subscribe to the podcast, share it on your social media feeds with your friends, and uh, if you want to reach out to us, go to our website, maghuge.com, M-A-G-H-U-G-E.com. There you'll find links to all the ways to contact us, because on Twitter, we are at maghuge. It's got links to our Facebook and our Instagram, where we're the, we're the Magnificently Huge podcast. And you can always email us, magnificentlyhuge, at gmail.com. All right, strap in. It's going to get weird. Also. House. Also. <laughs> House party. Yeah. Uh, oh, boy, I've done it this time, huh? Yeah, really? Okay. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> We're going to get into it. We're going to get into it. But, but yeah, I, I picked a doozy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Truth. How's everybody doing this week? Awesome. Should Good. we do intros? Should we do intros? Yeah. Let's yes, Chris. What's your name? My name oh, wait, is Chris. Shit. Yeah, you just introduced me. And you're, you're <laughs> okay, Eric. You're what's your name? Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> That's Eric over there. We're so tired. Uh, yeah. this. Uh, I do have one question for you. Uh, do you have any up dog? Uh, uh, up dog? Uh, what's up dog? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. What's up with you? See how that works? That's, oh, boom. Yeah. Yeah. I don't get it at all. Yeah, I know. It's... You're not supposed to get it. It's no. <laughs> I'm, I'm okay. just a big lame. I don't you're, know. You're you're not on the dad joke vibe at all, Eric. Like Brian and I, no. since high school, have been on the dad joke vibe, and you are so outside that circle. It's pathetic. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is what the people came here for. But screw them. We're gonna move on to what we've been doing this week and and do the fresh shit. Yeah. This shit is fresh. Who's got some fresh shit? Uh, I've got a really fresh piece of shit. Go, Chris. What do you got? Uh, fresh piece of shit. So Netflix dropped a, a movie on Friday. Oh, so yes. Just a two couple days ago. Uh, starring Karen Gillan, Lena Hetty, Angela Bassett, Michelle Yeoh, and Carlo Gugino with a special appearance uh, by Paul Giamatti called Gunpowder mm-hmm. Milkshake. 
Yes, I did also watch this. Right? Uh, <laughs> I had seen like an ad for it a long time ago, and I thought, oh, I'll just put that in the file of decks, and we'll come back to it. And I just saw that it dropped. I'm like, okay, sure. But basically, it's uh, a, like I said, in this weird world of, of professional assassins working for some shadowy like organization. It's, it's yeah, it's like if you wanted to make John Wick, but you didn't understand John Wick. Yeah, it's very <laughs> yeah, it's very colorful. There's a whole subplot involving a child who the assassin played by Karen Gillan ends up uh, taking charge of to protect, and then there's a whole other subplot with her Karen Gillan's mother being a former assassin with this other group of female assassins who get hired out by this thing called the firm and it's very colorful very bright very super violent and it really struck me as like oh this is what it would look like if Edgar Wright directed John Wick that's exactly what it looked like to me oh no no if Edgar Wright directed John Wick it wouldn't be boring like gunpowder milkshake <laughs> it really took a long time to get going and the action sequences were Okay. It's like the whole thing obviously works on paper, yeah. but it didn't work as a film, yeah. right? Like, okay, fine. We're going to do a goofy fight scene where both of her arms are paralyzed and she still has to kill a bunch yeah. of goons, right? How do you okay. fuck that up? Yeah. Right, right. But they, but here, here was what my wife and I were observing when we were watching this thing is, you know, every shot in this, they were very much in love with the composition and oh, the yeah. colors and the cinematography to the point where every shot is there because it's there to be that shot and not because it has anything to do with the shots before or yeah. after it. Yeah. yeah. It's, so it leads <laughs> too much towards the photography. Element. Yeah, it's very stylized. Uh, but it also borrows... It really needs an editor. Yeah, it oh, also man. borrows very heavily from John Wick because they set the neutral ground in a place called the diner. So all of the mob people show yeah. up and they can't bring guns in. But of course, you know, every time that happens, somebody's going to end up getting shot and there's going to be a big bloodbath. Uh. So it's it's telegraphed through the whole thing, but it it's just sort of off. You know what I mean? It's just sort of, it, it's an interesting idea, but instead of being John Wick, it's more like, oh, let's say Wanted with uh, Angelina Jolie and McAvoy. It's got that mm. vibe once you get through the end product it's just like well this whole thing was just very elaborate nonsense that didn't need to happen <laughs> which is too well, bad i mean and they try to make the library this badass thing that's reminiscent of the hotel and john wick yeah. but it's basically a non-functional library because all the books in the library are really just cut out and have stuff in them like oh i wanted to check out a book nope it's a gold yeah. bar yeah you know or it's a gun um, or it's a knife yeah or it's a whatever but okay, all the bad guys keep bringing knives to gunfights in this movie. <laughs> you know, literally, you can't you can't get stabby stabby unless you bring a knife. <laughs> knives, just... axes, hammers. Yeah, you know they do a couple of scenes where it's like one big long uh, fight scene take done in slow mo. Yeah, um, kind of Zack Snyder style. Which is and it's clear that yeah. they put a lot of money and effort behind this thing. But my God, do they need a different editor? Yeah, it's just it's yeah. just it fell flat. Which is unfortunate because it's definitely this this new surge of movies where it's just you know women kicking ass, which I am here for any day. But it's every just bad so, guy is male. Yeah. Every good guy is female. Zero bad guys are female. Yeah. Zero good guys are male. <laughs> this movie is not subtle. Uh, but it's just this razor thin story that they 
sort of draw through all the visual stuff. Uh, and it's really just there to be, you know, a whiz pow slam up banger. And it just kind of falls flat, sadly. It's not it's not atomic blonde by any stretch no, because it just no. there's no oomph to it. It's just sort of, oh, okay, that happened. Great. But there's a whole scene, Eric, where Karen Gillan's assassin character is in this like neutral hospital thing and the doctor shoots her arms with this sort of uh, whatever that basically numbs them. So she can't use Plot her arms. Juice. And plot yeah. juice, <laughs> and uh, and she has to devise a way to fight against three tough guys who are also in the hospital, but who've also they're all beat up and patched, but they've ingested and they're la- all hopped up on laughing laughing gas. gas. Yeah, so they're debilitated. So what should be a very entertaining and goofy and fun idea for a fight sequence just falls so flat because they don't play it up. They almost play it like it's straight. They don't go for any sort of over-the-top, just yeah. goofy, and that's where it falls on its face. And it's just so disappointing that they had that idea, but they just didn't run with it by any stretch. It's just, ugh. So <laughs> I, I was just not not happy with the outcome. But they set it up, obviously, for a, some sort of sequel series, whatever. And uh, I just don't know if I'm in, in for that. Not on board. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> Eric. But uh, I don't know. I I, I guess I saw. I just saw it, and I was like, "Oh, I know this is bad already." I don't. Yeah. Oh, don't don't get me wrong. Okay, I had your new release choices this week were that or Space Jam, right? Yeah, Space (laughs) Jam Deuce. Which yeah, let's be real. There's no there's no way I'm watching watching Space Jam. I didn't even watch the first one. First time I heard Space Jam, I had this image of like a bagel with a knife spreading like black with stars in it. Yeah. Uh, I think the the porn variant came out. It was called face jam. If I remember correctly. And that's probably oh, going to be, that's gross. <laughs> face jam. Ooh. Oh yeah. Hey, gunpowder milkshake, uh, asked for it by name. Uh, so that's really all I got other than I, I just for the life of me can't figure out why I started rereading 1984 by George Orwell. Maybe to put myself in a good mood? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but uh to say things to could remind be worse. yourself you're not crazy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I mean it's it's been probably like 20 25 years since I read it the first time and I'm in a much different place now. So it's just weird reading it now versus when I was, you know, a younger man and what resonates now in the book versus what resonated then. <laughs> And I'm, it just yeah. makes me, whereas before when I read it, I was young, it just all made me kind of angry. And now it just makes me sad. That's really the main difference between the two. Mm. Uh, wow. That's, that's <laughs> depressing. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, I think it's just cause you know, I'm older now. I've seen some shit that will turn you white, sir. And <laughs> it just doesn't play. It had, well, it also had, when I re- reread Catcher in the Rye, it was the same thing. Like read it when I was eighteen. I'm like, yeah, Holden Caulfield, fuck everybody. I read it when I'm adult. I'm like, Holden Caulfield, what a fucking dick. <laughs> I just yeah. don't. <laughs> so, yeah, just Lloyd resonate. Dobler was our hero in high school, and now it's just like, ah, yeah. poor Lloyd Dobler. What a, a putz. He's he's selling used cars now. Yeah. <laughs> totally. <laughs> well, it's like you know, watching Cobra Kai, like Daniel Larusso, basically a car salesman now in this reiteration. And, uh, I have managed to not see Cobra Kai. But he yet. owns it. That's the difference. Well, yeah, it's like He's... this weird, like, giant dealership. 
And then Johnny Lawrence is just this total fuck up that can't keep a job. <laughs> Alcoholic. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure I know that dealership though. I think it's a Toyota dealership in uh, uh, in North Hollywood. Probably that I. Yeah, I, I will like. I know that place. I'm sure that's what it was. <laughs> Not small. So, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, there you go. Gunpowder milkshake. It's just. Eh. It's yeah. a Netflix movie. Okay. Yeah. Eric, what do you got? Uh, I've been watching a lot of YouTube again, and some some great footage of uh, massive dam failures. You gotta you gotta go <laughs> look for some dam failures. Those are gonna be real popular in Germany right now. I bet. Yeah. Yeah. I, just, yeah. Uh, I got images of like Chris Tucker in my head just going. Damn. There was well, there's one that happened in California in like the 1910s. Did you know about this? It wiped out hundreds of people, and they never found all the bodies. They're still finding bodies in the dirt from this one failure. They they built a dam, uh, and and it was um, it's a gravity dam. Basically, you 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 know, it's really heavy and fat on the bottom, and it uh, scales up, and it's the weight of it that holds it in place. That's you know, it's not actually anchored; it's the weight. And they added some height to it because there was going to be more water, but they never increased the base. So you know what's going to happen now. The thing pushes through and just fucks up all of these people all the way to uh, the coast. It just washes through towns. Uh, it's this forgotten huge California disaster. And yeah, it's fun, fun stuff. I'll include a link. Uh, if you're a fan of disasters like I am, you know, it's like, wow, I didn't know that happened. And there was, um, when it was all over, there was just this one center piece of the dam still in place, like a tombstone, some, some dopey, uh, and it's a, it, it was like a step surface so you could climb it. And some dopey teenage kid climbed it, got spooked, tried to turn around, fell to his death. And so they, they had to dynamite that thing down. So. You know, more death. Hooray. Um, yay. Uh, yeah, yeah. Crazy, <laughs> crazy shit. Do they have actual footage? Like, did they, they manage to do? From 1910? I mean, they had cameras they, then, right? They, well, they have, they have footage of, like, people looking around for bodies. You okay. Know? And they have, like, some very old, what looks like old flood footage. Couldn't possibly be the same thing. <laughs> it's uh, the scene from Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Yeah. <laughs> just there was, that. like... And apparently there was, you know, the, the guy who uh, maintains the dam had told the builder, look, uh, there's dirty water leaking out of the bottom of the dam. That means that the foundation is getting eaten away. And the guy's like, no, <laughs> no, yeah. no, it's fine. La, la. No, it's, it's totally not. No, 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 it's really fine. Next day. Mm. Um, yeah. I, uh, let's see. I, so there's that. I watched the episode of um, the music that made us. Is that what it's called? Th- What's uh, the music documentary th- on this? This is pop or whatever. Or? This is pop. Yeah, on okay. the Brill Building. Right. The Brill Building. Of, I ne- never lots. knew anything about said Brill Building. Really? Yeah, that was. I, like I a, don't a, either. Tell me more. Uh, it's basically where all white '60s music uh, was created. Yeah. Uh, oh, is this it's, like, it's like the. Yeah, it's, it's a like building in New crew. York where a lot of publishers uh, were and songwriters worked, and uh, it wasn't like you know a company called Brill. It was 
a bunch of different, they all just congregated, it seems, in this building. And they, they cover, you know, Neil Sedaka and um, Carol King. Carol King. Yeah. And all these Bert, people who came out of that. Bert the guy Bacharach. who wrote Sugar, Sugar. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, so it's basically, basically, yeah, Brian, it's like the white version of Motown is what it is yeah yes okay yes okay it's really it's i'm watching it going yeah yeah and they're all talking about like the great like songwriting that came out of that and i'm like yeah okay but ooh, this is like all this shit you you make fun of when you're talking about the 60s you know <laughs> yeah like why did why did um jimmy hendrix and uh um Oh boy, why don't I know names? Why, why did all these these acts come out of the '60s? Well, it was because they got bored of everything that happened in the first half. Yeah, and, and it all came mm -hmm. out of the Brill Building. It seems James Brown—that's the name I was trying to think of. Yeah, well, it's definitely a like a a good before and after test case for the first British invasion because these mm -hmm. were all like early '60s, and then once like the Beatles and the Stones and all that started coming through, and then artists that actually wrote their own music kind of became the thing. Like all of the right. real building stuff just kind of got shoved off to the side, just shunted off <laughs> in the corner. Cause suddenly it's like, Oh, well, wait, we're musicians. We're expected to write our own damn music. What? Yeah. And so, and there know. was Neil Sedaka, you know, cause he yeah. wrote his own stuff and he became a singer. And yeah, I don't know. I still think breaking up is hard to do is a great, great song. Come on, come on, down. Otherwise, that that's just a very white bread kind of meh period. Yeah. The one, the other great thing about this episode, though, is watching Linda Perry, uh, sort of pretentiously discuss the creative process, and it's she's like playing a piano at one point and just starts like singing nonsense, and then says, "I'm just making this stuff up as I'm sitting right here," you know, like she's like she's you know it's fucking writing the greatest stuff of all yeah. time and it's, it's like no we know you're just saying dumb shit that comes to the top of your very large hatted head really? she, she again has an enormous hat is uh, she the one from uh four non blondes is that who yes. she is yes. okay yes and i think <laughs> what's she going probably on? has one of those alien skulls that like like gets like large and pointy yeah. and looks like a melon because probably. she's always in like an enormous hat <laughs> yeah it's like very steampunkish uh, a look yes. that she's got going on there. It's just weird. But you can't, you can't deny her success. I mean, she's she's written so many of these fucking pop songs. She should probably be Swedish. Well, the fact that yeah. she wrote the the first song that Pink came out with that went gangbusters, the whatever the party, whatever. Like when I found I'm out going that out so you yeah. better get this party started. Yeah, when I found out that the the woman from Four Non Blondes like wrote and produced that, I was like, what? I that doesn't make any sense. I did not know this. It does not make yeah. any sense when you look at it. She's been cranking out hits this whole time. Yeah. She wasn't just she the wrote, one hit wonder. Right. She wrote Christina Aguilera's Beautiful. Yeah. Um, I'm trying Crazy. to think of the other ones, but yeah, the pink Crazy. one I knew. Yeah. Yeah. Big. Wow. Yeah. Okay, yeah, no, I had no idea. <laughs> Mind oh, yeah. blown. Mind blown. Wow. <laughs> I guess I got to watch this thing. Uh, yeah. 
so yeah, watched that. And let's see, I covered the dams thing. I've, I, I finally watched Greenland, which I'd like been threatening to watch for a while, but it was free on HBO. So I was Dude, like, okay, what another is it with disaster you and Gerard movie. Butler. What is it with you and, Ver- and Gerard I think, Butler? I think he and I would get along great because all of the movies he makes are disaster <laughs> movies that I like. Yeah. You know? And most of like his movies are also disasters. That's the thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 There's no question of it. Oh, my but, God. But like his... His uh, I've Got to Save the President movie was uh, great because he kept stabbing oh, no, people that movie in the head. Oh, no, that movie sucks so bad. Oh, oh it was God. wonderful. Oh. It was wonderful. Yeah. Uh, it, let's see, uh, Geostorm, which was terrible, uh, but had its heart in the right place because uh, a lot of stuff blew up. Geostorm still coming up. <laughs> <laughs> Greenland, you say? Greenland <laughs> is more of a, uh, a family drama that happens to happen like with the, the world being destroyed. And... It's actually probably one of the best disaster movies I've seen because it fully captures the panic. It's like there's not a whole lot of effects. There's not a whole lot of disaster porn moments, right? Yeah. Uh, a lot of the really the worst destruction is like a quick shot uh, from a satellite or something. They don't they don't dwell on it, which normally would really piss me off. But most of the movie is them trying to get to the plane that will get them to safety. And all of the other people who don't have, you know, a magic Willy Wonka ticket like they have trying to kill them for it, you know, trying to trying to scam their way to to, uh, you know, getting saved. And yeah, isn't that the whole plot point for 2012 for John Cusack's character? Not really, because that well, they're the yeah, they're trying to get to safety. But the rest of the world, it's not like the rest of the world knows that. Oh, okay. It starts with him getting a, uh, a message from the government saying, you've been cleared to, you know, be delivered to this bunker uh, in Greenland where you will survive okay. because he is a, um, you know, he's somebody they're going to need to help rebuild. So him so and his family are clear. And so whenever somebody finds out that he's one of those people and he has like the little tag, the little armband, they're like, well we've got to fucking kill this guy and get his armband so we can get saved. <laughs> so it's, it's almost more like miracle mile and it's set up. No, because they're, it's not like they were all trying to kill him to get yeah. to the safety. I'm just, they're just, they're trying to get the safety, but okay. you know, okay. Yeah. It's I don't more like, like that, that, that two minute period where Willie, uh, uh, finds the, um, where Charlie finds the magic Willy Wonka ticket and his grandfather's, the, the, the candy shop guy says, run home. Don't talk to anyone. Now imagine the whole movie was just Charlie trying to get home and all these British kids <laughs> trying to mug him. That's what this okay. movie is. Okay. Good old Gerard Butler. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Quite the career. Uh, I, yeah, I'm in awe. I'm in awe. Um, okay. that's, that's, you know. That's that's it. That's quite the week. Okay, quite the week. <laughs> um, so I'll 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 go down the uh, the obvious hole here. Did you guys watch the rest of Loki? Yes. No. Eric, did you finish Loki? No. No. We lost D- uh, uh, Disney by then, and I was okay. kind of out of it. Yeah. So can we can we go spoilers for Loki here and just let's let's get this over with. No. Um, yes, you totally can. Come on, I don't give a shit. <laughs> this is like, what a okay, dick. if you don't want to hear spoilers for Loki, check the show notes and find uh, find whatever that timestamp is where we're not talking about it. This shit is spoiled. What do you mean? Who 
spoilers. I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure it ends with everything's okay and it'll continue in a Marvel movie that they're gonna try and Not force me to at watch. All. Well, you um, got actually half of it, right? it ends half of it. it ends on a big cliffhanger. So the whole last episode has fuck all to do with the other five episodes. Seriously. Um, and half of it's they, just them sitting in a fucking office talking to the bad guy. <laughs> just yeah, having a so conversation about The guy at shit. the end of time. So uh, it, it, here's the thing. Marvel is leaning a little too heavily into their audience at this point because yeah. this episode doesn't make any sense unless you know that the actor who is talking and talking and talking in a very long monologue in this episode has been cast to be in Ant-Man 3 as Kang the Conqueror. Yeah. It's... I just, if you don't know that, you have no idea this is Kang the uh, Conqueror. Yeah, I was on board for the the beginning of Loki. I thought it was an interesting concept. It was kind of fun, but by the last episode here, I'm like, they just they did what almost every Marvel movie has done, where it's they just drop everything to shoehorn the big bridge to whatever else is coming down the line. I mean, it's like this is literally them just telegraphing. Okay, Phase Four is about to start, people. Get your shit together. Yeah. We're gonna roll it, man. The, we thought the Thanos thing the other was two bad. shows felt like as well. I mean, WandaVision and Winter Soldier. It's like okay, new Captain America and yeah. uh, actual Scarlet but, Witch. But here's the thing with those that sort of separate them out for me is that WandaVision, although it was that, it was also a very interesting show about how a superpowered woman deals with so much grief and how fucked up that can mm-hmm. be. And I thought that mm-hmm. was an interesting take. And the the Captain America Winter Soldier was, or Falcon Winter Soldier, whatever it was, was took you know took some hard look at uh, at racism and how it affects your idea of the Marvel hero. I thought that was an interesting take, even though it was a fairly standard actioner. But this one has mm-hmm. nothing. This one is just literally no. just let's drop Loki in. We'll fuck with the timeline, no. and then no, it doesn't. It doesn't even do that because at no point in this series does the character Loki fucking show up. <laughs> I'm sorry, you, Tom Hiddleston yeah. does not play the character Loki not in this after, show. Yeah. It's like they they said it like this is supposed to be right after the first Avengers. He gets plucked into the TVA, but yeah. His character yeah. is way more like the one that happened right after Infinity War. At the yeah. End. yeah. They retconned like, the shit out of him yeah. because, like, of course, in, in uh, Avengers, he's smiling while he's plucking out a guy's eyeball and killing yeah. him. Yeah. And yeah. then in this one there, he's like, I don't enjoy that. It's all part of the act. Yeah. Like, tell the dude you eyeball. I, I kept waiting for him to betray anyone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't. Yeah. Well, they set all. up all the like, other. Loki is now the hero. Well, they set up all the and... other Loki variants, which I guess they decided they would let them do the heavy lifting. Yeah. So like Richard Sylvie. E. Grant in the comics accurate Loki costume is hilarious. <laughs> yeah. And let's hear it for Loki Dial the Croc of Mischief. Uh, um, I fucking hated that character. Everybody lost their <laughs> shit going, oh, it's so much better than Baby Yoda, blah, blah, blah. It's like, fuck you. That's just there yeah. just to be there. There's no reason for it. Fuck off. I, I figured fun. the whole thing was a way to like let Tom Hiddleston out so they don't have to keep paying him whatever they're paying him and make Loki female for the uh, next shows because everyone is getting either a gender switch or, you know, it's it's becoming an all-inclusive Avengers. Yeah. Well, so I don't know if you saw the fifth episode, Eric, but but there were mil- several Lokis, one of whom was Richard E. Grant. Yeah. Um, uh, one of whom was a kid, one of whom was a black dude. Yeah, it's all um, the, the Apparently, there's a, 
there's a cameo of of the character Throg in this, which is the frog version of Thor. Um, huh. There, there's a reference to a a, a panel from a, a stupid com- comic book where Thanos is driving around in a big yellow helicopter that says Thanos on the side. That helicopter shows up. Um, (laughs) like they, they, they kind of double down on the goofiness of the, of the Marvel comics universe. But basically the whole point of this entire show was to say, we fractured the timelines, multiple realities are going to collide and Kang the Conqueror's in all of them. And that's literally like the last 20 minutes is just this version of Kang just going, you can kill me. Sure. But that's just going to open up the door for so many worse versions of me, and you don't want that. Or you can let me run the TVA and put you guys in charge. And, of course, they're like, this is all bullshit. And then Sylvie just jumps out and kills him at the end, thus fracturing the timeline and setting up phase four of the Marvel movie universe. It's like, come on, could you guys be any more just visibly blatant about your setup? (laughs) It's like, come on. This uh, this had so much potential and it's just not there. I, I'm I'm yeah. very disappointed in Loki. Yeah. So. Uh, so th- so that's Loki, and then while we're in the MCU, let's talk about Black Widow. I do not give a shit about this one either. It looks terrible. I will call this one inessential, as yeah. in nothing is lost by not watching this movie. Yeah, I'm gonna um, go out on a limb here. Looked- it yeah. looked like X-Men Origins Wolverine. You know, yeah. it is something that happens before, has no effect on anything you've already seen, and no reason to, to see yeah. it. It's almost no, like they it, just they threw Scarlett Johansson a bone because everybody felt like Black Widow needed her own movie, but then they went ahead and yeah. did Captain Marvel and set all that in motion. So this was sort of like, oh, wait, we should, yeah, well, let's just give her one. Because, you know, and it's it just, of course, they do it before... She dies in Infinity War. Yeah, Endgame, and it's just like, it just looks so useless. It's like I don't understand. None of it why. matters. Yeah, it it it's completely disposable. It is it is better than Captain Marvel, right? It is it is above the bottom rung of Marvel movies, not? but not by a lot. <laughs> yeah, uh, like Eric, you have no reason to see Black Widow. Don't don't bother. I'm not going to. Um, and the thing is, I like the Black Widow comics a lot. I mean, yeah. I've read a number of them, and I've, I have saw some stuff in the previews that I know from different books, and I'm yeah. like, oh. But, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm yeah they, they, they do the Red Room, and they do Taskmaster. Um, it, just seems, uh, it just seems like when they, when they made the movie, it was pre-pandemic, and I feel like if this came out in a normal timeline that it probably would have done okay but it wouldn't have been gangbusters so i'm not sure if the pandemic is gonna help it or hurt it because it delayed it for one number two it's the, I mean, now they've they just made big, a got big a, weekend okay so but, they're they're happy with it but, but now whatever. they've got a built in it's in the short term it'll do well because people are hungry for another marvel yeah. in the long term it's gonna hurt them because it's it's anyone who hasn't figured out that you know it's over, Johnny. They're gonna yeah. get it, like from from derivative films. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and yeah, and, this, yeah. And this I've, Marvel I've, I've had Phase that. Four is is looking a little rickety, right? Like Loki was the first major misstep, I think. Black Widow isn't so much a misstep as it is. It's just kind of like, eh, okay, that's a movie. But now we're coming up on Shang Chi and the Eternals, and like, does anybody care about any of this? You no. know. 
The only Boy. one I'm interested in, and I think we talked about this last week, was uh, the next Doctor Strange. But it's got little and to Guardians do with... And Guardians 3. I don't give a shit about Guardians 3 either. I just... Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 is terrible. I don't care what you say. I just don't okay. care. <laughs> I just don't care. But, well, uh, and Thor Love and Thunder is also ripe with potential. I think I'm yeah. more like leaning to like into Eric's take on it. I'm just I'm tired of it. It just they should yeah. have just stopped at Endgame <laughs> and just called it a day saying, hey, we did what we set out to do. But now we've got a whole lot of cash that we still need to keep making because basically Disney Endgame was a perfect conclusion, you know, to the whole thing. Mm-hmm. It all wraps up. Mm-hmm. You're all done. If you want to keep this going, you now need to basically restart it in as brilliant a fashion as the first Iron Man movie was. I don't see that happening anytime soon. Somebody nope. doing something so wholly original that you can now do a second act. Yeah. Well, I think what they're doing is they're throwing properties against the wall. They're going to see which ones are popular, and then they'll <laughs> tie those all together in some future well, t- yeah. team-up. Right? I think now their whole thing is they've got the rights cleared for X-Men and Fantastic Four. So now oh, they're that's gonna, right. They're going to go with that. So now they're going to like super marvelize those and see if they can actually make them work, and uh, and then put a feather of their hat when they kind of do. I guess I don't know. It's just they're going to go roll around in a pile of money. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> uh, so yeah, the Shang Chi right. thing I think is really interesting because it's basically a big karate movie. It's a comic mm-hmm. that was created during a time when karate movies were really popular and they were yeah. trying to, you know, the karate films are nowhere near anything you could call popular these days. So there's like no reason to do this except to tempt a Chinese market. Oh, well, yeah, that's it's exactly a blatant it Chinese yeah, market that's exactly play. What it is. But here's the thing. Every time I see a trailer for Shang-Chi, I also see a trailer for the Snake Eyes movie mm-hmm. that's coming out this month. <laughs> and honestly, I'm more interested in Snake Eyes based on the trailer than Shang-Chi. <laughs> I just saw the, the trailer for it and the, realized that Samara oh. Weaving is uh, Scarlet. And I was like, yeah. what? All right. Well, going back to what I, the point I was trying to complete. Um, oh, Shang-Chi fine. is supposed to... Um, uh, 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 be for the Chinese market, but apparently the Chinese are already sort of pre-boycotting it because Shang-Chi's backstory includes uh, him being a descendant of Fu Manchu, which is a racist 1920s depiction mm. of Chinese people. Yeah. So it's like, it's already kind of hurt coming out of the gate. And then the Eternals... <laughs> They're boycotting because the woman who directed it, you know, is 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 not an asshole, you know, and China's <laughs> kind of requiring that of everyone yeah. now. Well, the the Eternals thing is funny as well because you see the whole like sphere of fandom getting all their knickers in a bunch because now it's like, well, you have this massive team of superheroes that could do anything. Why the fuck didn't they come down for Endgame? Blah, blah, blah. And now they got to go into that whole lore thing. It's like, uh, you know, this is Marvel. They can bend and twist their continuity however the fuck they want. It's not going to matter. Just <laughs> calm yourself down. Seriously, Jesus. people, it, it, not everything has to make that much sense. Yeah. Uh, <sighs> okay, that's I'm- enough. Friends don't matter. Friends don't matter. So, 
on with the show. Speaking of things that don't make sense, uh, let's talk about House. House. God, this movie is whack, dude. Yeah. Like, why the <laughs> hell is this coming up in your suggestions list on HBO Max? So, I mean, I'm flipping through HBO Max, and, and well, I had watched Fantastic Planet, you see. Oh, okay. Uh, and watching Fantastic Planet, then it's like, you might also like, and what does it have, and you might also like, but this 1977... <laughs> Japanese movie that was made by Toho, the Godzilla studio, yeah. uh, called House. And interesting House history. is fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> this, this movie has an interesting history, though. It was actually uh, uh, what Tojo wanted to make was their own Jaws, you know, which right, had right. been a huge, the first blockbuster. And they were like, how do we make a blockbuster? And yeah, they 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 hunt around for somebody to make this thing. They get an idea from a guy who makes commercials, and the guy basically pitched an idea that he came up with with his child daughter. And yeah, she things said, that "Oh, a scary movie daughter. should have this, and it should have that, and it should have this." And he said, "Yeah, okay." And he you know he pitched yeah. that. They weren't going to let him direct the movie, except. It took so long for them to develop it. He had enough time to, like, release press releases of who he would cast. You know, like, listing all these people he'd worked with in commercials. Yeah. He came out with a manga of it. He, like, he owned this thing he to the point the soundtrack. Like, yeah. yeah. I guess we got a, a radio drama. Yeah. And what yeah. nobody seemed to know is that this guy was a total indie art house filmmaker type. Yeah. <laughs> and he made it's... an experimental art film out of a would-be blockbuster <laughs> Japanese slasher. Yeah. Fuck. Well, here's it's like a head film. It's so weird. Yeah. Well, here's the basic plot. A young girl named Gorgeous uh basically gets her six friends together to go spend the summer at her aunt's house in the middle of nowhere. Turns out that her friends is... are her friends are so one-dimensional that they have names like Kung Fu. Yeah. And, yep. and, Kung, yeah. yeah. Melody Fatso and, and Melody and yeah. subtlety. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so they, they go to this house and it turns out to be haunted and then literally starts uh, killing them one by one. Yeah. Uh, until the end. It's, but there's, that's kind of a loose approximation, but that's literally the last thing this movie is really about. It's not no, really about anything. You care about the plot. It's so weird. <laughs> like it starts this, with this movie the, is well. I mean, I'll, uh, this movie is about uh, people from the World War II generation uh, not liking the kids of the day who don't understand how horrible yeah. mm -hmm. the war was. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, if you look at Japanese film in general, they churn out a lot of weird stuff because their country is so fucking scarred by its history i mean it's not well, even the, not even this director yeah. this director was from hiroshima yeah and like all of his friends got killed by the bomb it's just, <laughs> so it's just he's got an axe to grind yeah but I, but it's just the stuff they do is so surreal and it's just so disconnected from any sort of formal narrative that it's just almost becomes like its own fever dream Willy Wonka kind of a deal because basically it's they're all killed in ways that are thematic to their archetype like the girl yeah. Melody who's the musician gets eaten by a piano eaten by a piano <laughs> I mean that's, that's like I think that's the central 
piece of the movie right there. It's like, right. and it, cause it's so just over the top, just what the hell. But then you get all these like loose moments where they're just being kids and it's just goofy. And then like the weird seventies pop band music kind of comes in in English. Yeah. And it's like, what in the hell is it? I mean, it, the whole movie from start <laughs> to finish is just like, you're, you're just, you're not on good footing. It's just, it keeps you right. Im- imbalanced for the whole thing. And you're never sure what the hell is going on from start to finish. And on that, I give it kudos, but I just, I'm watching it going, this could very easily be a Tim and Eric movie. and No one would know <laughs> yeah. the difference. Honestly. Yeah. The level of effects are just hysterical and it's not like I'm <laughs> yeah. making fun of them. It's. These these were conscious choices, you know. Yeah. It's not like they <laughs> they couldn't do any better because yeah. there's some matte shots in this film that are unreal. I'm like, that's mm-hmm. so gorgeous. Yeah, and mm-hmm. th- but he also does things like he'll have a gorgeous matte shot, and in the the foreground, you know, are our principal actors standing in front of a smaller matte shot of the same thing we're looking at. And I'm like, oh, wow, he really knows what he's doing. There is no, there is no, no <laughs> amateurness here. It's all by decision. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, and I mean, yes, and, right? Like, as a piece of, like, cinematic language, I found this fascinating. I was just like, wow, they are really making the most of their zero budget here, right? Like, that there's like this really long dialogue scene, but they know that they they've marketed this movie to people who should drop acid before they come to the theater, right? So the whole thing is like in order to make it visually interesting, the whole thing is shot through beveled glass um, for like forever. Yeah. I don't know. Oh, when <laughs> four she's hours. Ta- when she's talking to scene. her like her uh, long distance father who just shows up yeah. again. Yeah, yeah. That's that's um, oh, but that's that all, whole thing. Yeah. That's all very. I mean, but to me, that's very conscious staging and mise-en-scene because it's basically showing her detachment from yeah. her parental unit. I mean, it's all very obvious when you well, kind of get to the end. But to it's set tone and mood and yeah. then the sound, I mean, the, the entire sound design of this thing is just yeah. bonkers and irritating on purpose. I thought when you, you were talking about when they got on the train to go to the country and then they do this like weird like yellow submarine dissolve into just this colorama backdrop sweeping past them but there's mm-hmm. no train there it's just them sitting and the background's like shooting past it's like what the yeah. fuck is going on it's like none there, of this is like there was tied to any sort of reality it's so weird Eric, there was one fantastic matte shot that was really really well composed and then at some point somebody bumps the camera <laughs> so it's yeah it's a ton of blue screen being used to do things like flying severed limbs and heads yeah and it's it's worth pointing out that in the very beginning before they even give you the title that shows you the name of the movie it says uh movie like it yeah. slaps you in the face exactly with you're watching a goddamn movie you know and and i think <laughs> i think that's probably why i don't think that was an accident the camera getting bumped i think the whole thing was yeah. basically saying you're watching you know like something we made up well yeah, yeah right it, it like was, when they did a flashback they literally animated film reels on the sides of the frame yeah. to show you, hey, now we're watching an old newsreel of World War II times, yeah. right? Like, and then it's shot that way. Yeah. And then they did it like a silent movie where they put up the title cards when they're talking. I mean, it's just very conscious but, style choices. And they, they, they are talking through the film reel uh, history that uh, Gorgeous is giving them of her aunt. And 
Mm-hmm. They're, they're, but they're, it's like they're seeing it as a film reel as she's saying it. So it's, you know, it, it's, it's, it's a conceit of the film, but it's one that the people in the film know. Yeah. And the idea that all these kids that were saying things like, oh, he's so handsome about the guy who just, you know, got killed in a Japanese plane <laughs> or the, the atomic bomb cloud. It, it looks like cotton candy. It's like it's all trite. And I think that's that's why the opening is so cheery. La, 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 because these these bitches must die. For yeah. being so insensitive. <laughs> well, I mean, what happened? But, but the, even the the deaths are so just—I don't know—they're very interesting, but also kind of ham-fisted at times. Like the the girl Mac who eats all the time, she ends up going out to retrieve the watermelon from the well that they've kept it in to keep it cool, and then she disappears, and then they go looking for, her, and then was it Fantasy? I think was out there, and then the head she pulls up the watermelon, and it's Mac's head starts bouncing yeah. around and like bites her on the ass and she flips out and like runs off. I mean, it's just like, and then they fuck? go to check it. And of course there's no head. There's just it's, the watermelon. Yeah. And they eat the watermelon, which you know is actually her head. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> because, and it's, because the ant then has that eyeball pop out of her mouth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that was it's great. Just, yeah. Just very weird stuff, but it's, but they definitely do a lot of the tropes that, really wouldn't become formalized and popularized until the next year when Halloween came out, where it's like the stalker and the haunted house kind of thing. Mm-hmm. None of that had really been set in stone. I think he had like Black Christmas from like 74 was one of the proto slasher movies. But until Halloween comes along, you don't really have that widespread sort of uh, syntax for this sort of movie. And so just I'm thinking back going, man, if I saw this in 1977, I think it would have blown my fucking mind a little bit because it would have. Just oh been, yeah, you know what I mean. Because it, it would have been so fresh. But they now got you a lot of it. mileage out of some pretty straightforward techniques. But they really like just by by being willing to just get weird with mats and compositing yeah. and you know some of the anime influences in terms of how they how they cut things together and and, and combine shots Hero or just comedy. just the strobing yeah. yeah. I it's, mean, like the comedy writing is straight up, you know. Huh? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, oh, you, yeah. You almost have a guy whose eyebrows pop off of his face, going, bah, bah, bah. "Yeah, you don't. It's, you don't like watermelon, you know." Yeah, but it's just so. But they make very uh, conscious choices to keep you off kilter because they do all the sort of broad comedy, goofy stuff, but then they punctuate it with you know severed limbs and blood, and then there's just a really disconcerting scene with gorgeous where she's like i'm gonna go take a bath and then when you see her in the bath they linger and then it's like this weird like nude shot and it's like i'm like oh no this girl's like 14 15 like don't do this no and it just really to japan everybody and it just made me really super uncomfortable and i'm like good lord they will just do anything in this movie won't they yeah no this is a very sexist uh perspective this movie in terms of that but i would i would say uh probably not because i did find a youtube channel or show called essential film and i can't remember who makes it but they had a very interesting critical theory about this uh, and I kind of have to agree once I saw it, but basically they're talking about how mm. the Japanese culture was so restrictive for women, even at that time, 
that this is mm-hmm. basically a feminist parable about a, how women basically lose themselves wholly through domesticity until all that's left is just they have to look good. So Gorgeous ends up being the only one that really survives. Fantasy may into a geisha. Yeah. And yeah. fantasy may or may not have survived, but is being held captive. But all the other facets, which is why they're all named Kung Fu, you know, Mac, Prof, whatever. So basically the woman has to lose all of these other aspects of her personality that makes her a whole person in order to become domestic. And I'm like, that's oh wow shit. and i'm like that reads a whole lot into it but i'm like after seeing the movie that makes a whole lot of fucking sense and then i just sat so, there for like 20 minutes i mean that may be the only face. read of the movie that makes any sense yeah <laughs> oh. and i'm like this is i'm like i want to write that person a note and go you are just a fucking genius because you managed to make some semblance of sense out of a movie that is so nonsensical that it just spins <laughs> off into like mm. a like a firework i'm like that's amazing so take with that what you will but I thought it was yeah. an interesting. Take. I, I I could have gone without seeing this film, but I have to admit, there's there's a lot more <laughs> going on than I would have thought. Yeah, I I just want the guy who edited this movie to go back and edit Gunpowder Gun Milkshake. Like, yeah, seriously. Yeah. Well, I was <laughs> like, watching it too, and I'm like, what's what is the only corollary? Like, because it's it's a weird movie. I don't know if it's the weirdest movie I've ever seen, which probably speaks volumes to the kind of movies that I've seen. It's weird, but it's I don't definitely know if it's weird. the weirdest. But uh, I was watching it, it was going Jodorowsky in a way. Yeah, yeah that, exactly. That, that surreal, elevated kind of. Exactly. Yeah, but you're still going. What the hell is going on? Uh, but I'm lo- I'm looking at it, going, oh man, I can almost guarantee you that Sam Raimi watched this thing before he made Evil Dead. Oh yeah. I'm like, there's oh, yeah. so much in here that that informs the manic weirdness of Evil Dead and Evil Dead Two. I'm like, it's just. It's too much of a coincidence to not have been the case. And then I start yeah. thinking, ah, so what else, like, after 1977 could do this? I'm like, I just, I could see, like, young filmmakers just going, this is crazy. But it wasn't really available in the States except, you know, art house cinemas. And I just really don't know where it would get widespread. But I was thinking, where was yeah, this movie? Like, schools. Yeah. <laughs> but I had never this heard of this actually- thing until you brought it up. The thing is, it had, I uh, again, after you know doing some research, it, it turns out this film did really well when it came out. I, mm-hmm. It wasn't like Jaws blockbuster level, yeah. but like critics hated it and the public loved it. And filmmakers in Japan were terrified that it was going to destroy the Japanese film industry because mm-hmm. it was so bonkers and, you know, not representative of everything they were doing. So it kind of got shelved until Criterion put it out in 2009, and yeah. then it got its cult following. Yeah, maybe that was it. But but, but no, I, I agree with Chris though. There's got there's no way Sam Raimi didn't see this movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just uh, fucking crazy. But the but the thing that struck me too, that I'm started thinking about, like, well, the like I've seen a lot of weird Japanese movies anyway. Like all of the the kaiju stuff is just inherently strange. Mm-hmm. And then I started thinking about, uh, like Saijin Suzuki made a bunch of really, really elaborate, like gangster movies in the sixties that are just gorgeous to look at, but are also just so weird. But I'm like, the only thing corollary I can think of like, that maybe trumps this for weirdness would be 
like Tetsuo the Iron Man because it's just that one is so unmoored in reality as well and I'm like what is it about the Japanese filmmakers that just like they're just gonna go balls out and don't care I mean the whole I mean you remember the sort of like the commercials that they were coming out in the 90s right where they were like trying to one-up MTV and be like super extreme and crazy like if you go back and watch 90s commercials now man like the pacing and the obnoxiousness is just like that's the that's the apex of that yeah right um they i get the sense that the the bar in japan is just set closer to 90s like everything is that manic and has been forever and that's just the the culture they're steeped in and and so you just get this more frantic disconnected you know, mind fuckery. You see yeah. it in the commercials. You see it in their game shows. You see it in the video games. Like Japanese culture has got some weird shit in it, man. <laughs> well, you know, you get a atomic bomb dropped on your country, it's probably going to have an effect. And <laughs> well, and you have a repressive society. Mm-hmm. Yeah, considering they had like you know a, a a a a film industry that was blowing up, and you know you could get work doing that once the film industry fell apart. You had to work harder and harder as a filmmaker to get notice, and I think slowly they started doing that wah, kind of bizarre, high octane shit to get notice. Yeah, and it built on itself, so that now it's like, oh, that works. Okay, I'll do it even more. Yeah, and the more they did that, the more the culture sort of pulled it into itself and made that that bizarreness part of what they do. So, chicken or the egg? Egg. <laughs> yeah but it's just this one it's just so strange that that jaws would be sort of the the impetus to for this to get made because it's obviously nothing at all yeah like no this jaws. is a dead teenager movie it's a proto slasher before <laughs> I mean, halloween it's just like how does that go hand it's like toho just what are you doing guys what are you doing but it's just this weird like technicolor marvel of just strangeness. I think one of the blurbs I read was they're like, it's like if Jario Argento had done Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, it's like, yeah. That's, and that's exactly, that that's the vibe. Yeah, that is that's totally exactly the vibe. Because yeah. <laughs> I'm like, it's just so, so violent and creepy, but at the same time, it's just so colorful. Uh, yeah. It's just, oh, good Lord. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's, it's violent, but not in a visceral go, like, yep, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. No, it, it's it's violent, but not in a like gross out. Like Tetsuo the Isle Man is, is deeply uncomfortable. Yeah, it's right? it's but, sweaty like, and <laughs> disturbing for sure. This is this is like, okay, you know, we've painted some blue paint on the actress's body so you can only see her hand, yeah. you know. Like, and it's her, like the piano eater fingers, and, yeah. Yeah, you know, it, and she it, doesn't seem to mind that much either. She's all yeah. ha, 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 ha. until it chops off her hand, and then she's like, "Oh God, out. no!" There's a part where, like, okay, the piano is like still munching away on her legs, and you mm-hmm. can kind of see her panties, and then her head comes down into frame and says, "Naughty!" <laughs> yeah, <What>? yeah, <laughs> it's it's very strange. But then you know, it's the same thing. Like the teacher that's trying to come up and chaperone or whatever. Like ends up getting turned into a bunch of bananas. I mean, they don't really yeah. make any sense. It's like, what? What is going on? All of that, that could have been edited out of the comedy. movie. Yeah, yeah. My cabbages. Anyway, um, <sighs> so it's just so bizarre. I don't. I don't 
I don't know what else to say about it, but I gotta say, I was I was thoroughly entertained by this weird ass yeah. Japanese well, movie from 1977. Luckily, it clocks in at like 88 minutes, so it's not like it's yeah. hard to get through. So I would it, recommend it, it. it. You can watch it before your buzz wears off, is what yeah. I'm saying. Well, this is it. I was like watching this thing, going, "Where the fuck was this back in the heyday when you know I I was." ripping bong hits and watching creepy movies. I mean, it's like, this would have fit right, right in. Oh yeah. This is a total lost opportunity because now it's like, I'm an old man, totally sober. (laughs) It's like, okay, great. (laughs) (laughs) Oh God. Yeah. All it needed were power Rangers. I mean, it kind of had, it had Kung Fu. She was pre power rangery at some point. Yeah. It was a pre power ranger movie. Dude. Can you go like making that pitch going to a studio going, okay, here's the deal. We're making a power rangers movie, but we're going to do it in the style of house. You with me? (laughs) Are you with me? (laughs) That would be amazing. I, my, my final thought on this is this movie only works because of when it was made and and the budget it was made on like if you tried to make the same movie today with cg you wouldn't get the emotional response from the audience that this movie evokes with its cheesy techniques yeah like i agree it's it's more effective than a modern movie would be it's but i mean you can kind of see that experiment with when they tried to reboot that the power rangers a couple of years ago this right. cheap, low-budget TV show being remade as a high-budget movie, it's yeah. like the aesthetics are all wrong, and they're all changed just by the presence of money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, this one definitely was a like a scrappy, underdoggy kind of a thing, but it's just, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if I want to watch it again, but I almost feel like I have to just to see if I can start <laughs> making some semblance of sense. I can go the it. rest of my life without seeing this movie. Yeah, I don't, need <laughs> oh, no, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying I'm going to like pull it up and watch it repeatedly, but they're just like thought, in the back of my head now. I thought it was going to come in here and I was going to be like, this was a lot of fun, actually. And Eric is going to be like, this was horrible. And Chris was going to be somewhere in <laughs> well, between. I love the fact that like we, we I saw a message from Eric on our group chat last night. And it was like maybe 10, 30 or 11 his time going, what's our yeah. show about tomorrow? <laughs> and then you know obviously we're asleep so he doesn't hear anything all night I'm like oh this is going to be interesting <laughs> so, yeah oh, yeah and then, no, like, I, I made sure I was I was uh, not sober and it was like the middle of the night when I watched it so I think I saw it in the right setting yeah well I, yeah. I started it up and my wife like lasted about 15 minutes She's like, all right, I'm going to bed later. Yeah. <laughs> Good luck with that, I think is what I she said. Even, I didn't even ask the wife to try to watch this one. I'm like, yeah. Good night. Well, I saw the clock ticking. I'm like, well, I, I got to get to sleep at some point. So I'm like, I'm just going to pull this thing up. She's like, all right, do it, whatever. And then literally like 15 minutes in, she's like, I am done. I'm just D-U-N. <laughs> and then I'm like, well, you missed a, a great movie. No. You did not. <laughs> no. All right. So I guess that's our show. Thanks. Uh, thanks once again for listening. Uh, as always, you know, yeah. Subscribe to the podcast, share it on social media feeds, help us spread the word. Uh, and go to our website, maghuge.com, M-A-G-H-U-G-E.com. We have all the old episodes there and links for all the ways to contact us, which are our Twitter. We are at maghuge. Yeah, we have our Facebook and our Instagram where the where they're magnificently huge podcast, or you can email us 
magnificentlyhuge at gmail.com and tell us about some other weird-ass gem that we haven't seen yet. Maybe we'll yeah. watch it. Yeah. Smash <laughs> or that not. like button. Yeah. <laughs> Pound it. Pound that like button. <laughs>